It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Chapter 4 of The Land of Frozen Suns this LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Land of Frozen Suns by Bertrand W. Sinclair Chapter 4 A Forthright Fighting Man In due time the foodstuffs and other goods were unloaded, and the moon began to take on her return cargo of buffalo hides and sundry bundles of furs, the harvest of the past winter's hunting and the spring trade. Had it been left to our loud-mouthed captain, there would have been no cessation of labor until the last pelt was stowed. He would have worked us twenty-four hours to the day. But Benton was not St. Louis, and the men who loaded ship were of a different caliber from the stevedores at the River City. A certain number of hours would they work, and no longer, though the moon rotted at her slip. So we of the regular crew had a breathing spell as sundown approached, and the first spare time at my command I used to write a letter to Bolton, detailing my misadventures. This I posted, so that in case anything kept me from returning on the moon, he would at least know whither I had gone and how I had fared. It took two days to unload. The evening of the third day, Bilk and I stole away from the boat and went uptown. There was not much of it, to be sure, but what little there was lacked nothing in the way of life and color. One could see any sort of costume, from sober broadcloth and fine linen to the rainbow garb of a blanket Indian. Even the long-haired frontiersman sacred to fiction was represented by a specimen or two. Altogether, it was a motley, high-spirited crowd that we mixed with that night. Of the quieter residential portion of Benton, I saw nothing that time. My way, guided thereto by Bilk, was down the main street, where lights shone and glasses clinked merrily, into diverse places where ancient pianos tinkled dance music. Drink and dance and gamble 
That was the nightlife of the town. Wherever we went, wherever any man went, up and down the length of that one garish street, he could get a run for his money, if he had money to spend. In every saloon and dance hall, the knights of Farabank and draw poker held tourney on the field of green cloth. It was all very new and strange and fascinating to me. Bilk stood treat in one of the saloons, and after we had emptied our glasses, we stepped across the room to where a knot of men were watching an unkempt individual buck a roulette wheel with twenty-dollar gold pieces in lieu of chips. He had a dirty felt hat on the table before him, the crown of it half full of gold and silver, and he was scattering the double eagles two and three on a number. It was heavy play, I thought, but the dealer spun the little white ball and called the number and color in a bored sort of manner. The buffalo runner lost half a dozen bets, and then all at once he caught the double O with three twenty-dollar coins resting on it. I gasped. Twenty-one hundred dollars in fifteen seconds. When the dealer passed over the stacks of gold, the unkempt one opened his mouth for the first time. "'How much'll you turn for?' he asked. The dealer jerked his thumb upward. "'We'll take the roof off.' he answered carelessly, if you want to play him that high. The buffalo runner grinned and deliberately set about placing handfuls of coin here and there on the board, and while I stood there wholly engrossed, eagerly watching the ivory ball in its circular race, someone grabbed me by the shoulders and hurled me unceremoniously out the door. Once outside and free of that powerful grip, I turned and beheld Tupper the red-whiskered, very drunk and very angry, flourishing a pistol and shouting vile epithets at me. "'Get back to the moon, you son of a sea-cook! I'll jerk an arm off you and beat you to death with the bloody end of it if you show up here again. Scoot!' Naturally, I scooted, Mr. Tupper meanwhile emphasizing his threats by sending a bullet or two skyward. I wondered, at the time, why no peace officer appeared to put a quietus on this manifestation of exuberance, but later in the game I learned that in frontier towns the popping of a pistol was regarded as one of the accessories of a properly joyful mood. Men handled their guns to make a noise, a la the small boy with a bunch of holiday firecrackers. One could burn powder with impunity, so long as he had due care for innocent bystanders. Of Bilk I saw no more for a while. Thinking that since Tupper's hostility had been directed at me, Bilk might have concluded to keep out of it, and see Benton by himself. I went on to the boat and curled up on a bale of buffalo hides to sit a while in the moonlight and the pleasant night air before bedding down in the vile hole where we of the roustabout fraternity were permitted to rest o' nights. An hour or so I sat there, and about the time I began to think of turning in, a figure came slouching up the wharf and aboard. The glare of a deck-light showed me that it was Bilk. I called to him, 
and when he came a little nearer i saw further that he too had met with rough usage for his face was bruised and his lips cut and swollen ah that damn mate he said in answer to my questioning he gets on a razoo like this every once in a while you was lucky he just throwed you out the son of a gun nailed me after that and liked to beat me head off he's tearin drunk and plumb on the fight chances is he'll come down here before mornin and want to lick the captain the cook and the whole blame crew somebody ought to take an axe to him i suggested bitterly you betcha that's what he needs bilk agreed i've heard tell about him gettin on these fightin drunks but this here's the first time he ever got to me you wait i'll get him some of these times for this and bilk went below muttering dark threats i followed shortly and rolled in there was no disturbance during the night and when we stood by for the loading after breakfast tupper was on hand a trifle surlier than usual more or less red about the eyes but otherwise showing no signs of his carouse all that day we labored again at eventide part of the crew sallied uptown before ten o'clock all of them were back one or two badly damaged about the face and one and all filled with tales of the mate's pugnacious mood he says by the great horn spoon he'll bust the head of any airy high 